project resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education. Created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information, and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with with medicalcodinggeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code GEEK15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to Do Not to Not Elsewhere. Not Elsewhere. Elsewhere. Elsewhere Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. Over 70% of our listeners have an iPhone and listen on Apple Podcasts. So please pick up your device and leave our podcast a rating and review. I want to give a shout out to Rach underscore 903. She left us a five-star rating and told us that we have an engaging and informative podcast for the HIM professionals in the medical coding field. Brian brings interesting and, and exciting topics to the mic and has great guests. Thank you for the feedback. You can find Not Also Classified and Medical Coding Geek on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. You can check out our Facebook groups, including Medical Coding Geeks, the RHIT and RHIA exam support group, the CDI network. We have a community group page for the Not Also Classified podcast. We also have a marketplace for CDI, HIM, and medical coding resources. And of course, you could find me, Brian Kui, last name is spelled C-U-I on LinkedIn. Today in the podcast, we are continuing Continuing our conversation with part two with the Zellum brothers, with Jim Zellum and Dr. John Zellum. So if you haven't listened to part one, please make sure to go back and listen to that first before coming back here. In this part of the episode, we continue our conversation with failures. We talk about handling the truth. 
getting mad at yourself, establishing your why, dealing with metrics, outcomes management, change management, motivation, morale, and emotional intelligence. So without further ado, here is my continued interview with the Zellum brothers, Jim Zellum and Dr. John Zellum. Enjoy. more from my failures than I ever did from any success story. I just do. I can tell you more failures than I can tell you successes. Failure is an event. It's not a process. Uh, let me give you an example for me. <laughs> I might as well give my example for, uh, you know, because of my background in, in CDI, right? Uh, a lot of the stuff that I've done, even st- the stuff that I do now, even as, uh, you know, as, as an auditor, is very metric based, right? And you know, I'm supposed to reach a certain percent of queries. I'm supposed to do a certain amount of cases. I'm supposed to talk to a certain amount of doctors. And you know, over time that get accumulates and the person who's your manager will will review that and see, you know what, uh from a qualitative st- side and you know, I'm going to tell you the truth. I've got low marks, right? And and in those times where my manager came to me, because there was one time that, you know, a manager uh, was giving me high marks. And then I got a new manager. <laughs> and then when when that manager reviewed my work, it's it was, you know, I'm thinking, you know, of myself all high and mighty. And then this new manager came in and uh, she reviewed my, you know, over the, she, she did my evaluation. And I was above and beyond, right? Above and beyond, whatever, you know, doing above and beyond. And this manager gave me meet standards, right? And in my head, I'm like, wait, the year before I was above and now I'm meet. And I'm like, what's going on here? And, you know, that manager had to really sit down and tell me the truth, right? And sometimes, you know, being told the truth is something that you don't want to hear, but uh, that time I was told the truth, like you're not really performing as, as well as you think you are. And, and when people, you know, at that time, I really felt bad. I really felt bad. I thought I was a failure. I dug myself a hole. I, you know, I was, I really took it personally. You know, I'm like, you know, I, I know I can uh, achieve this, but being told from somebody else that you're not achieving what you're not you're supposed to be doing, it, it can eat at you inside. And, you know, I, I, I share this with you guys or even with the audiences because it happens to me where, you know, if I'm not performing, it eats me inside. But however, the way I get out of it is, you know, you I for me, it's time. I have to sit down and kind of figure out, well, what was the problem that I had to deal with first? And then kind of figure out, well, from from that perspective, if this is where I'm at, if I'm at this level, where how do I get to this certain level? And that I think that journey between where you're at and where you need to be, that is your personal journey, right? And I've always said failures are great stories because because <laughs> you could always turn around and tell them to someone else. Because uh, you know, and I, I I like to tell my failure story. I even have failure stories now because. Uh, you know, like, for example, quality, quality in, in, our, in our line of work where you do a certain amount of chart review and somebody looks over your chart review and they says, well, you know, based upon our quality review, you didn't you didn't you need to do this. You need to do that. And and over time of people of, of quality, people telling you what you're doing wrong, what you're doing wrong, what you're doing wrong, it's going to eat in you. Right. To the point where, you know, 
you feel like you're failing. But it's too, you know, I got to a point at least within this year and even last year, it ate at me, but it got to the point where I got mad. <laughs> I didn't get I didn't get mad to the point where, you know, I hated the person that was uh, giving me these quality comments. But I was more mad at myself, right? You have to get mad at yourself. Like, you know, do, do, are you are you happy with what you're doing? And I, I had to ask myself that over time. I'm like, you know what? That's not what I want. And, you know, what do you want? And it really... You know, when you when you talk about failures, if you if you fail at a certain point, you got to figure out well, what is your why? Why are you doing this? Why did you get into this field? Why did, why am I doing CDI? Why are you working as a physician advisor, working in uh, medical necessity, documentation improvement? Why are you uh, you know you know trying to promote your leadership book? You know, talking about leadership uh, in in your career. So one thing that I can definitely say is when you're failing, get mad, get mad at yourself. You know, you have to you kind of sl- get yourself out of that reality in that out of that hole and try to figure it out. Like, where do you want to go? But really, you know, have to ask yourself why. If you can't ask, ask that self, ask yourself why, well, then you're at the very beginning of where you need to be in terms of goal setting. Yeah. With that story that you just told, Brian brings up several points. Uh, number one, I want to um, reemphasize what Glenn Krauss always talks about, because uh, as you know, Glenn is very involved in the CDI world, and Glenn is constantly saying to get away from this metric stuff. You know, you were judged based on the metrics that you were able to click off. And to bring up a quote from Marcella Sapone, it's to focus on outcomes, not tasks. And what she says is ticking off tasks on our to-do list might make us feel productive, but to truly be productive, we must clearly visualize the outcomes we want and design everything we do around getting them. So, you know, I I think that's that's an important factor. And, you know, I think that, you know, as as you talked about your, your, your poor performance reviews, it was based on tasks, not your outcomes. And your outcomes are going to are going to especially in the CDI world your better outcomes are going to increase your accuracy and actually increase your net patient revenue as opposed to having to getting the denials and having to appeal them and having that money taken back now, now that's a whole another aside but the reality is is that failure failure is important and as as Jim said you learn from your failures more than you do from your successes. And I think that's an important thing to remember. And again, failure is an event. It's not a process. Metrics are important, but they're not the only thing to to do by somebody. Okay, it's the results. Okay, I I mean, I'll give you, you know, uh, I mean, I had a, when, when we were scanning, in order for the company to make enough, the right amount of money for what they were charging, we had to do so many images. Per, per day. And basically, you know, I told the staff, you know what, you give me these images, I'll leave you alone. Okay, I don't really care what you do. Okay, but they have to be good images. Okay. And there was one person that super, uh, he, he, he blew it away. Okay. And HR came to me, and they said, well, and here's a situation, okay, because they're going strictly by the book. Well, you have to, he's taking every now and then an extended break and, and, and all this. And I'm saying, well, does he do it often? No. Okay, so why do you want me to talk? Well, because he takes extended breaks, okay? I says, I have a person that's doing the quality, the quantity, is happy, making the company money, 
okay? And you want me to what? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't discipline that, okay? So again, I, I tend to agree. Metrics are important to a degree because you have to, you have to monitor something. But like John said, you can't manage by metrics alone, okay? You just can't, okay? I mean, if you're doing a great job, a quality person, as far as I'm concerned, you can always find something wrong in quality. I mean, there's no such thing as per perfection, okay? You go for, you know, what excellence, okay? Not for. for for perfection. So I'm tending to agree, you know, with, with John saying you were measured by metrics and you just can't go by metrics alone. It's the re, it's a result oriented world. If you're getting the right results, what's the problem? So you you know you're a little off on the metric. You, you understand what I'm saying? Jim, let me add. And I think that's where, you know, where leadership I think that's where leadership plays a role. You have to understand what your, like John is saying, what's your final objective here? Okay, what's your goal? Okay, to, to tick people off is not really that good, but I'm also saying if there is discipline required in leadership if somebody screws up, but when they're up there, you, you know what, you got to be careful, you know, how you treat people. You, another chapter in your book is Manage Results, Not Time. And one thing that you taught me a long time ago is when you know when when a project is assigned, a manager will tell you, "I need this by Monday at noon." On the other hand, you used to tell me that you would not you tried very hard not to put a time restraint on it. What you used to do, a little reverse psychology, as you used to say to them, so when can you get this to me by? So they set their own time standards, and if they didn't make it, it wasn't your fault because you didn't give them enough time. They determined their own time. And I think that's that's the sign of a good leader, not a manager. You, you, assigned, you assigned them actually the ownership. Yeah. They get the ownership, not you. But as a leader, if you can't live with it, then you have to negotiate very true. Uh, I, I like I like the the idea of um, the reverse psychology because <laughs> you know I, I and I always say I know we're talking about leadership, but I, I do have to say this, and I, I've said this before in my previous podcast. The best way to manage is managing your family. At least for me, is managing managing my kids. I have three kids. I have three teenagers, right? And uh, you know, right now they're in school. And and then, you know, I think, you know, really tying in what we just talked about previously about their grades. Right. So grades is is where they're at. You know, they're trying to figure out how to get better. They're at this level. They're trying to figure this out. And, you know, right now their grades, they're trying to adjust. Right. So the right now, because of, of course, of covid. Um, you know, they've been in virtual school before, but now they're in a school that is really uh, different. The formatting, the teaching is different. So when we're transitioning, like how I talked about before, going from one place to another, uh, from a technician clerical job to a managerial job, uh, the same way with my kids, they're going from one way, the school, you know, one school environment to another school environment, there is an element of change. And so when the reality hits, <laughs> I think that's that's the that's the that's the concept here is when the reality hits, you're faced with it and you're taking a look at it. And and um, 
what I tell what I tell the children is like it's not me. Don't get mad at me <laughs> if I'm trying to enforce uh, or if I'm showing you what your performance is. I'm not trying to enforce anything. You know, when you look at your grades, okay, it's it's yours. It's it's your own. It's your own work. It's yours. And I like how you mentioned the reverse psychology. When 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 are you able to set? What deadline are you going to give? And I and the same way I tell you know my kids, I like look. What grades do you think you can you can achieve? How can you get this? And I always they always tell me, well, I got this grade, and I always tell them, well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> it's, it's not what I'm gonna tell you to do. What are you gonna do? And and especially with children, they they need to f- t- communicate that idea. And I you know I always talk about my kids, but it's the same way with with students. It's the same way with new professionals. Can they communicate what their goals are, what they need to do? And I think that right now uh, in the age of social media, maybe we can get into that where they're typing their goals or they're typing their wants, but they can't they can't communicate it face to face. You know, you know, you guys worked in an area where you guys are face to face. Now we're in an age where you were doing this now on on Zoom, you know, where we're not face to face or we're sending emails, we're sending texts. The, the, the interpersonal uh, component has been lost, you know, in our age, in our industry and even in our generation. Um, so with with my kids, they have to own up and the same way with students, they have to own up what they what they're not doing especially when new professionals are trying to get into the field. They got their degree. They got their credentials. But the first thing that they do when they go into one of my social media groups, where can I get a job? How can I get a job? Who's going to hire me? And, you know, the first thing that I really want to tell them is, could you tell me more about yourself? What makes you deserve this job, right? And and what is it that you're going to do to pursue the next level and all of those things? But when you're teaching your kids, and also when you're teaching maybe a new employee uh, that you have, you tell them to do something and they don't get it. You got to tell them again. It's like with your kids. You try to tell you get this is what you need to do. This is how you do it. Then you got to tell them again, and then you got to tell them again, and then you got to tell them again. And as a parent, you, you say to yourself, "When in God's name are you going to get it?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Two parts to that. Number one. Mm-hmm. Right. If you think back in your own life, in your own childhood, how many times did you need to be told that to, to do something before Correct. you finally get it? And then the old expression that I use all the time, especially when I'm teaching physicians and others, is that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm, good point. Good point. Any thoughts, uh, Jim? Well, yeah. Um... I'll go back. I mean, some of the things you guys said is right. And, um, you know, even when I interviewed, you know, it's not your skill set so much. It's more of your other attributes that really, you know, come forward. Okay. And even with kids and everything like that, you have to motivate. Now, motivating kids and everything is a little bit different than motivating people at work. Okay. Because you can motivate people at work a little bit differently than kids. But, an interesting comment came to me once upon a time because I'm trying to help. I help my uh, daughter out with her, her with her kids, and um, I try to motivate, especially the, the 15 year old one. Okay, and you know, it's like no matter what I do, he's not motivated. And I was talking to a person one day, and she said she did the same thing. She read so many books on motivation. Okay, one day she was in the kitchen, and her son came up to her and says, "You know, Ma." 
You want more for me than I want for myself. <laughs> Good point. And I thought that was an excellent comment. Okay. And, you know, so sometimes, you know, you go back in here, you, you know, even with your kids, I mean, you have three kids, and I bet you all three of them have different motivating factors. Right. Okay. And one might not be motivated. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, um, plays a role. That's all I can say is, is you know, how, how do you, you know, it comes back to how I think personal motivation is tough to do. Okay. With kids and everything like that. So yeah, that, that that's what I got. But I look at a lot of times you're going back in here and you talk to these people and everything like that. I always looked at, well, how do you get a job and everything like that? But I, you know what? I always wanted to know one of my biggest questions I always asked was, well, what, what are some of your hobbies? What do you do? And if they couldn't tell me a hobby or anything, well, I just knew they weren't really that energetic. Okay. If you can, mm -hmm. if you don't have some type of hobby, mm -hmm. you just can't be that energetic, you know? Well, you made a statement, Jim, that you can't treat adults like kids, and I'm going to offer a little bit of pushback to that. I was in a meeting with a bunch of uh, hospital executives, and one happened to be the head of the hospitalist group. Uh, hospitalists are a, a group of physicians that uh, you know take care of patients in the hospital, and we were, I, we were talking about things that need to be done, and he, the, the head of the hospitalist group said to me, yeah, but you know, if I told my docs that they need to do that, uh, and, and Brian, going back, you know, you deal in CDI, you deal with physicians, and as I said before, how many times do you have to tell them before they finally learn when the student is ready, the teacher will appear? How many times do you have to tell them something about documentation that they don't, just don't get until around the mm. 20th time? But right. going, going back to this meeting, um, the, I, I, would, I was telling the doc, this is what your the head, I said, this is what your docs need to do. He says, you know, if I tell them that, they're going to tell me no. And then I make another point. He'd say, you know, that's another one. If I told them that, they're going to tell me no. And there were about two or three instances that came up where that basically was his answer. So I said to him, is, you know what, what is the most favorite word of a two-year-old and a three-year-old? Resoundingly, the entire room said no and I said now I'm not telling you your docs are acting like a bunch of two-year-olds but I was <laughs> and, and I think you do I said but at some point you have to you know you can't accept no and so I, I, again Jim to your point uh, sometimes adults do act like kids go ahead Jim rebuttal point no taken <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't catch what you said, Jim. I said, point well taken, John. You are right. Okay. That's it. You'll never hear that one again from me. You got it on tape for you. <laughs> and I'll send you guys a copy so you can <laughs> kind of give each other sound bites or something. Let's take a moment for a quick break. I listened to a lot of podcasts, and one product that I was curious to try out was Magic Spoon Cereal. Magic Spoon is the high-protein, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, wheat-free, naturally-flavored, totally delicious, childlike cereal for grown-ups. Now you're probably thinking that it tastes like cardboard. I did my research on similar cereals and decided to give this brand a try. 
I subscribe to the variety pack that includes frosted, fruity, blueberry, and chocolate. And really, to my surprise, they really tasted great considering that it was supposed to be a healthy cereal. So far, my favorite is the fruity flavor. They also have nutty and cinnamon flavors too. I've already tried the variety pack for a couple months now and swapped out my subscription to try out their cinnamon flavor. Magic Spoon has zero sugar, three grams net carbs, and 11 grams of protein per serving. They have a 100% happiness guarantee. If you are not completely in love with their cereal, they'll give you a full refund. So go to magicspoon.com and use our coupon code GEEK at checkout. Again, go to magicspoon.com and use our coupon code GEEK, G-E-E-K, at checkout. And now back to our show. Um, so I, I like the idea of motivation. And uh, one of the things that, that when, when you mentioned the discussion of motivation, one of the things that, um, at least for me, when I first started management, and, and then I had a, uh, again, 24-hour operation, five facility. I had about 40 employees for my <laughs> for my first management position, wow. and again, it was a, it was a complete slap. So, the one thing that I that I did that the first thing that that I instinctually did instinct instinctually did was call each and every individual employee to my office. Why? Because I wanted to know who they were, right? I wanted to, you know, get a get a conversation going. Say, hey, how are you doing? I'm your new director, and, and kind of give me a background as to, you know, what what they were doing. And you know, they would. The one thing that that and I think this is going into our next topic is about morale, right? Uh, and so one of the things that that came out of it, you know, because they they didn't really have they didn't have like a steady management or steady manager in that department. So when I came in, you know, that's one of the things that they were talking about. But one of the things that came up out of the consensus of talking to over, well, not all forty employees, but but a lot of the employees. And some of these employees worked on night shift, so I sometimes had to come at eleven o'clock at night just to say hello and then get them into you know a, a conversation and then go back home, go back to sleep, and then wake back wake back up. And, and go back to work in the morning. Uh, but regardless, they, the one of the things that they said is that they have low morale. So I'm going to toss that question to you guys. How do you deal with low morale in, in your arena? With low morale? Well, you know, a lot has to do with you hit, you hit a nail on the head, though. Shifts have a role. What shift you're working on, where the morale is, okay? And I think low morale really comes with how well you socialize and communicate with the people. And I, I found out, I mean, you know, uh, um, when I used to, when I used to make sure every day I would walk through and say, at least to the first shift, I would always make it a point to go out there and talk to the people. Okay. Um, because a lot of times they would come back and, you know, they'd see, you know, somebody else became a leader and they say, well, you know, how they ne- they're never around. They're never here for us. They're never talking about the call me in their office. So I think one of the best things to help morale is really to talk to them, okay, help them, understand them, and, you know, um, even like a lot of times when we used to have to work overtime in in, in a split second, sometimes we would just buy them pizza, okay, and that would help Mm. them. The second and third shift was a little bit more difficult, but I always made it a point, 
always made it a point that at least once to twice a week, I would always stay there. Well, well I would always see second shifts. And I would always talk to second shift, okay, and, and go back there and find out what their problems are. But they feel isolated because all the management isn't there. So, you, you know, you, you, you need to talk to them because they feel they don't have no one to talk to. So I find socializing, you know, finding out what their problems are, even sometimes even just understanding, you know, what, what's going on in the personal life to a degree, always helped them. And I always made sure at least once or twice a week, I always came in early to see that third shift. Okay. And I think that's important. And I, I just want to give you a funny story about somebody with morale. They, we had a, a president and she really took care of the people, talked to them, did this. She spe had special events for them and this and that. But on the other hand, she wasn't the greatest because she, from a financial standpoint, she didn't help the company all that good, okay? And they had to let go of her, okay? But the group always said, the staff, everybody, she was the best president they ever had because she engaged engagement helps morale uh john did you have anything to say about morale yeah just uh, pretty simple uh and, and um in the the, uh, the last major project that i did uh there's one of the one of the uh, components of the utilization management 360 i believe needed to be rebuilt but i said it needed to be rebuilt from the top down and you hear it all the time we've got to rebuild it from the bottom up no you got to start with leadership first and one of the things that I, I pushed, uh, haven't seen it happen yet, but one of the things that I pushed is that, you know, you, you, you know of people that you worked with who got promoted, and as they got promoted, you, you always hear the people say, oh, you forgot where you came from. You, you, you don't remember what it's like to be down in the trenches like we are. You're up in your ivory tower. One of the things that I recommended in the report that I, that I gave them is that, Leadership should take some time out, and I guess especially with the third shift, as you're talking about, and Jim, you know how you said uh, what to do, and Brian, you, you also mentioned uh, coming in and listening to them. One of the things to do to help with morale is to shadow them. Shadow them for a half a day. See what their life is like, what they're doing. Make them feel important enough for you to spend time with them. And on the other hand, as the leader, as the manager, you're going to get a, a much bit better picture of what's going on in their work life, maybe even in their home life that's affecting their morale. So shadowing, can it, it, it's a pain in the butt for, for management to do that, but I'll tell you, it, it will score points and it will go very far with your staff. And, and, and to, to go on that, you know, I understand in a management role, leadership role, director role, whatever you want, I know these people are running from meetings to meetings to meetings to meetings, and I got it. They got this project, that project. They miss the most important thing there is. If you're a leader, talk to your team. Be with your team. Engage with your team, okay? Just like John is saying, okay? Because you think that's small. Okay, I don't have time to do that. Well, go make that time and the dividends will be phenomenal, okay? Because they're going to work for you because they believe in you. The worst managers, so-called leaders, are the ones that never go out and talk to their staff. As you can see, that's the Polish talk in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, 
you know, Jim, what you just said goes along with the conversation that you and I had a couple of weeks ago, where you hear this statement, I don't have the time. But it's not that you don't have the time, you don't make the time. Because if there's something that you really want to do, you make the time to do it. So I don't have the time is a pretty empty excuse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I just want you to know, Brian, he stole that from me. Being busy is an excuse because you always have the time to do the things you want to do. <laughs> I gave you credit for it. I said you said that. <laughs> I know, and I just love the smirk on your face when you said it. Okay, I'm, I'm muting. Put that finger down. <laughs> I, I totally agree with, with what you guys said because one of, one of the things afterwards um, that I did uh, with the team after because they gave me like 30 days like you have 30 days to get to know your team I'm like okay how am I going to do this and and uh, I took them one by one and they're like am I in trouble I'm like no so then you know I talked through all of them right and, uh, and then I started to have team meetings after that so five facilities team meetings and, and then I, I really laid down the, you know, kind of like the groundwork and not the rules, but the groundwork. I said, look, you know, I am new to this arena in, in this type of medical record setting. And I'm looking to you, my team, to tell me how it needs to be done. Once we establish those be- those uh, baselines, then we could figure out how to make it better. And and I think the the, the staff really took on to me with that because they, they weren't looking to me. I was looking to them. I was looking to them to help make the improvements. I made them, I put them in front in a way that, you know, whatever change that they were making, that it's their own. It, 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 it added value when they were, you know, trying to figure out how to deal with their medical records. Continuing on here, the, the next topic I do want to talk about that we've, that's kind of evolving into is what I talked about before we, before we started this podcast is about emotional intelligence. It's, it's, a, it's a phrase or a term that's been floating around, at least on social media. Uh, from what I understand, emotional intelligence is when you're working with your team, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the idea that, you know, you could have intellectual intelligence. You know how to do the job. But I think when, we, when you hear the term emotional intelligence, it's how do you deal with your team? So uh, either one of you guys, do you have any thoughts on what you think emotional intelligence is? Yeah, I do. I think emotional intelligence is understanding what your team does, okay? And I'm talking about understanding what they do because like I told you in the beginning part, you as a director, manager, or whatever, supervisor, you live with the effects of the problem. You don't live with the problems. You have to feel for them. You actually have to go there and say, hey, what are your problems? How, how can I help you do your job better? Okay, mm-hmm. so I do believe, and I've done it. I do believe in emotional intelligence. It's not the it's not the the knowledge or the talent. It's they live with the problems, and they're going to say, "I can't do this. I can't do this." Okay, so first of all, do they need training? What do they need? How can I help you? Let me sit down and talk to you. Let me see what you're doing. Okay, and I think that's getting involved. Okay, and even to the point of, I gave you one in here. Um, where we did, now this is going back many years ago, okay, um, I'm, I'm being a little archaic and showing my age here, but we made the clocks for the Honda Accord, which was on a slide line, right? And we used to have too much whip work in process. And so we had, like I said, an industrial engineer, he relined the whole thing. But he would come back and it was an excellent job. I, I This guy, Mark, he did an excellent job. The problem was he wanted to fine tune it. And every day he would come out two to three times a day and he would move 
he says, well, he sees the bottleneck. Okay, so you do this, and then you do this, and you do this, okay? So then you come back three hours later, and the bottleneck moved. So you do this, you do this, you do this. The team wanted to fix help him, but he didn't want their help. So I actually kept Mark away for half a day and say, you do it the way you want, okay? You can't change you know, how it's done because, because Honda owned the process, but do who, who does what? And, you know, they loved it, and they, you know what? They they did a great job. They gave us more than what we needed because they had something to prove, okay? So I believe in emotional intelligence. I believe that you need to understand what they're feeling because if you don't understand what they're feeling, okay, and some of it, you know, could be tough, but, you know, where you have to be tough on them, but on the same token, the majority of the time, if you help them, they'll shine. Uh, I, I totally agree with what both of you have been saying. Uh, but one thing that comes to mind is the toy, the 14 Toyota principles. And, you know, somebody having a low morale, Toyota has, has found a way to somewhat deal with that, is that any person on the assembly line has the right to stop the assembly line if they find a problem that they believe exists and needs to be fixed. And I, that, I think that alone will give... Uh, will 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 enable uh, people that you manage, people that you lead, to feel a sense of importance. And uh, I'm not just an assembly line worker; I'm a necessary person. Let's bring it back to Jim. Jim, tell us about your book. I know you 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 pitched it to me, but I want you to here's the opportunity for you to tell you know our audience what your book is all about. Uh, my book is really, I call it the stepping stones of leadership, okay? And it's basically what I, over my course of my my career, these are important things that I felt that, that I learned a lot, okay? How um, some of the steps were, how my background changed me, how when I learned personalities and others' personalities, um, how it helped, you know, um, managing time, managing results, not time, all those topics are in there, what I consider necessary. And like this book to me is just to help somebody, you know, become more of an effective leader. Okay. Maybe, I mean, because leadership is like parenting. Okay. There's no real right way. Okay. And there's no real wrong way. Well, there could be wrong ways. Okay. But I, I, I take it like, you know, parenting and, you know, every, my philosophies, what I learned might help you, Brian, but they won't help John or vice versa. Okay, so this is my way of saying, you know what, I, I, I look at it, this is my experience, and I'm just trying to share it with people, and I'm not trying to compete with, you know, the big companies and everything like this. This is more for the smaller companies, where a lot of times there isn't that much, uh, I, I, I guess, um, uh, finances available to help train some of these people, and people want to become leaders. And one of the most important things that I see in there in my last step is, you know, things a new leader should know, okay? Because too many times people get thrown into a supervisory role, okay? And they think they're a boss, okay? And you you really, if you want to be effective, don't be a boss, okay? Because a boss delegates, a leader coaches, okay? Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of things that, you know, I'd like to see new leaders learn. And actually, that's my last stepping stone. And I'm actually in the process of now even uh, expanding on that. And I might put out another book just for becoming a brand new leader. Because I see these people coming into these positions and I'm saying to myself, you know, I don't think some of them even know, okay, 
what their goal is when they step in there because management sees a good person, very, you know, result person, and they put them into a position that sometimes don't put them in a position to fail. And that's where I'm coming from with my book. So, you know, I, I like I said, I, I wrote the book when, and, you know, I don't know how many I'll ever sell, but that's not what I'm looking at. I'm looking at if I can help five people, I consider it a successful book. I do have a website called you're just a number.com and it's all about leadership okay and teamwork and there's some health issues in there and there's human potential and John is one of the authors too on there okay so I I just like so if somebody wants to know more about leadership they can actually do that they can actually write a guest post if they want so I just wanted to throw that out there too oh nice I like that I like that thank you very much for sharing that and uh, thank you to both of you, the Zellum brothers, uh, for being on today's podcast. It sounds pretty cool. The Zellum brothers sounds like a good movie. Or you guys are, are maybe cool directors for the next uh, uh, superhero movie. Uh, so, gentlemen, thank you for being part of the podcast. Uh, here's my last two questions. Number one, uh, what does the future hold for either one of you of the Zellum brothers? Well, for me, I think you know, John. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. That's all right, Jim. I'm muting. <laughs> For me, uh, as I've started my own consulting business uh, after uh, shedding the corporate handcuffs that I had for so many years, I felt that I had learned so much during those years since I left my, my clinical practice that I believe that I have knowledge and experience to go out and help uh, facilities in the healthcare industry uh, to the point where I have uh, developed a, a, a fairly revolutionary concept that I call Utilization Management 360. And that's for, uh, between that and teaching physician advisors in hospitals, uh, those are two directions that, that I like to spend a lot of time in. And very shortly, uh, I will unveil a brand new website that will take a look at those two aspects. Uh, in, in in much more detail. Uh, Utilization Management 360 is just a way of looking at, uh, as one person said, that I've become a clinician looking under the hood of revenue cycle. And that's and that's that's very important. I just I just posted a white paper uh, on LinkedIn just today uh, on the whole concept for anybody that's interested in, in looking at it. And, uh, and and that's where I see my, my future going. I got, I'm always thinking, always trying to come up with new ideas, and always trying to help people. What about you, Jim? Well, my goal, uh, what's in the future for me, I just like to keep her, you know, pursuing what I'm doing in here as far as helping people with leadership. And again, as I tell you, it's more for the smaller companies. Not, I'm not trying to, you know, compete with a Stephen Covey with all his with all everybody else like that I, I'm just trying to help people I'm trying to get people more uh, interactive okay and that's why I built the website um, to have people talk about leadership talk about teamwork and maybe have it as a uh, as a um, 
uh, uh, where people can interact and because the site is we're getting it now where you can put comments and you can comment to the comment mm. so uh, my goal is just to help people uh, with the leadership you know uh, if I, I'd love to maybe you know uh, as maybe after COVID and something like that put on some um, you know put on some you know little training sessions or whatever little seminars or, and stuff like that I just want I just want to keep doing it and you know like even with the website I make sure that there's an article out there at least once a week okay um, and that's really it for me, okay, besides golf. Um, okay, so let's get into the last question. I'm going to toss this to John. Then, Jim, you're going to answer this last question after that. Uh, what best words of advice could you give to our audience, John? Do you have another half hour? <laughs> well, maybe if you want. <laughs> no, I mean, I, there's so many things that come to mind. I'm, I'm not quite sure how to distill it down to just one aspect. Um, probably the one thing that I I would say is that well maybe make it two things number one as you're dealing with people in a professional manner whether it be as a leader whether it be as a manager what, whatever it is you never when you're dealing with that person you never know what's going on in their life that may be affecting their behavior and their reactions to you so it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do, but always keep in mind that there may be an explanation for the fact that they just, they just wanted to punch you in the face uh, for something that you said that may have been so benign because there are other stresses going on in their lives. And in today's world with COVID and, and unemployment and uh, tragedies such as the fires on the West Coast, the hurricane on the Gulf Coast, et cetera, uh, there's a lot that people are dealing with, and just just try and, and keep that in mind. And the other thing is, treat people like not the way you want to be treated. Treat people the way you'd want your family to be treated, the way you'd want your kids to be treated. Then you'll be successful. Nice. What about you, Jim? Thank you. My point to um, everybody is, you know what, strive to get better okay um, you know you can always get better you can always learn you can learn from the experience of others going to seminars books and everything okay um, and understand people and I think John brought that up understanding people is so important okay um, for instance I have a, a daughter that uh, has Asperger's and she has a couple other issues okay so there's certain things that she doesn't do intellectually she isn't you know the sharpest crayon in the box but I'm going to tell you something She's taught me things I never knew. She sees life in a total different world than I do, okay? So, I, you know what, she's made, she's actually opened up my eyes, okay? So you can learn from others, okay? And my last comment is, once you're satisfied with what you're doing, quit, because you're not gonna get any better. So there you have it. That is my interview with the Zellum brothers, Jim Zellum and Dr. John Zellum. Again, you can check out both gentlemen on LinkedIn. For Jim, you can go to youarejustanumber.com. That's youarejustanumber.com. You can check out his book, The Stepping Stones of Leadership on Amazon. You can find Dr. John Zellum on his website, streamlinesolutions.com. 
And before I wrap up this episode, I do want to give a shout out to the supporters of this podcast by going to our partners, including the Haugen Consulting Group, RadRx, and Project Resume. I do want to thank Lovely R, Christine T, Niteshni P, Debjani R, Dorothy B, Susan M, Aaron T, Christina S, Janice P, and Leticia C. Thank you for taking the time to check out our partners, taking advantage of the special pricing, and of course, getting some great products from great companies. Again, if you want to check out the companies that we have, you can go to medicalcodinggeek.com slash partners. MedicalCodingGeek.com